Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Welcome back, everyone. It's a term that's used quite often in relationships, especially when you're in counseling or therapy, and it connects to a lot of relationships. That, that word is codependency. Codependency. What exactly does it mean? When we say it conjures up an image that you're dependent on somebody else for your happiness. Many believe that. Is that really true? We're going to find out. We're going to talk with somebody who works with people on relationships. She holds workshops, helping with self-esteem, women, family issues, ADHD, so much that she does. And in addition to that, she's written some really great books. And one of those books is what we're going to dig into today, Not Fit for Human Consumption. She's back with us. Anne Creekmore is on the program. Hi, Anne. How are you? Hi, Steve. I'm good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm going through this book. Um, All I'm going to say, compared to your other book, Love Yourself, Love Your Life, that one's yes. kind of, that's a little lighter read. This one's a little yeah. darker. I, this, yeah. this is this is the mirror staring you in the face. <laughs> I truly believe. Yes. Um, how do we define codependency? Well, that's a good question. Um, how do you define it? I mean, I know you said you don't really know that much about it, but what are your you you know you said a few things about it, but what have your thoughts been about it? And depending mm-hmm. on somebody else. For your happiness. That's the first thing that comes to mind where you, Mm -hmm. you need that other person in your life, uh, to bring you happiness. You know, it's, it's all those, whatever comes along with that. That's my view of it. I don't know if that's even correct. Okay. 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 That's very, that's, I'm sure if you think that, then that would seem to be something a lot of people might view it as now. Originally, codependency, I think you mentioned that it uh, a long time ago was a kind of a buzzword, you know, yeah. and it originated as kind of the, um, the partner to a substance abuser or an alcoholic or a drug addict. The mm-hmm. codependent is the one that is married to or partnered with uh, someone who has an addiction and oh. then the person you know, the codependent is actually um, over-functioning for that, you know, kind of enabling, not necessarily in a bad way of, like, trying to push them on any things, you know, but it, um, just over-functioning for the alcoholic or the drug addict person. That's how it originated. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. So would that yeah. make that other person the enabler? In a sense, yes. And I think there are different types of enablers. I mean, some people are, you know, can enable because in a sense they have some, what I call covert or they call it vulnerable narcissism or um, Mm. where that in a sense they're not, they're doing it because it makes them look better. Like they're the saint or the rescuer, Uh, but actually they may be feeding into the problem by over-rescuing and, and then the person isn't taking care of their own problems. Um, Then there's other kinds that I call more the 
classic codependent is might be somebody who'd experienced grief, say, growing up and loss and has a difficulty not trying to take care of someone if they seem to have a problem, like they're afraid of losing the person to death, you know, because they had it happen to them before. And so they really are always over-functioning, trying to make sure the person's safe and doesn't have any kind of negative, you know, any negative intention of like, you know, making themselves look great by being a rescuer. They're just worrisome and trying to make sure the person is okay. Mm. But in a sense, because of their own guilt or their own fear, of what would happen if something happened to that person, the loss they'd experience. Would you say many times that person, now the enabler, so let's say, let me make sure I have this clear. The codependent uh-huh. person is dependent on the enabler. Is that correct? Yes, in the sense that they're focusing. Um, I, I think once we talked in, in the lighter book on how to love yourself, love your life, all the different areas, how to change your thoughts to be healthy or how to be a whole fulfilled person and take care of your rights and needs. In the whole fulfilled person chapter, um, chapter eight, Uh, people get off of self-care by becoming sort of addicted or mentally preoccupied with some addiction in a sense or some dependency, if you will, soft addiction, dependency, where, you know, if they're just all about working, workaholism, or they have an addiction to drug or alcohol and their time and money and energy is going into getting their fix or recovering from their fix and finding it again and so on. And in the case of a quote, codependent, it would be that they're so preoccupied mentally with the welfare or or relating to or reacting to the person who has a problem, the substance abuser in in the earliest sense of the word. And so they're kind of over-functioning, over-preoccupied, trying to help that person or react to that person appropriately where, you know, they're trying to calm and keep peace or whatever. Mm. So it, in a sense, it wouldn't necessarily be dependent on them for their, their good self-care or for, you know, a, a partnership. They're more like over-functioning for that person who isn't functional and, and trying to cope with the dysfunction all the time and all their time and energy on wherewithals is a lot of their time and energy is put into take, doing that, that versus taking care of their own selves and their own needs. Would you say that many times the enabler is enabling in some, in some way. I'm not saying that, you know, enabler is saying to an alcoholic, Hey, I've got another one for you, whatever whatever they're doing. Would you say that most times they're doing it for themselves? What do I mean by that? That like partly of what you said, that they feel validated and useful because they're there for that person or they, Right. They they don't want that person to go away for whatever reason. So right. they enable, whether it's emotional support or, or whatever it is. Uh, is it most times look like that? Yes. I mean, that that's a good, you know, give some good examples. That would be kind of what I, I, I kind of break that codependent to two types of, of people. One is a neighbor, and that's in that book, They're Not Fit for Human Consumption, Triggered Traumatic Memories. Um, and it is 
that where the person's coming from maybe a motivation of being a loyalist, if you, if you will, and if you're familiar at all with the Enneagram and the loyalist number six is about, you know, they're preoccupied with other people and how they're doing and are they going to, you know, be there for them or are they going to be there for them, you know, and that kind of interdependency. Um, and so that would be a good example of that. And they may have experienced some grief and they don't want to experience grief again. So they're going to go out of the way, make sure everything's okay. But the mm-hmm. other type of uh, what I call codependent is that one to some extent that says, well, we know you have a drinking problem, but, uh, you know, or we don't, they don't say that. They say that to say their wife and then the child, though, they still go out fishing and have beers with them. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, are they really, you know, if they know that this per- child, teen or whatever has got a problem, why are they offering them a beer? Then it looks like they're over They're trying to keep the peace or they're trying to get along with the person and keep, but really they're just feeding into the, you know, if they have a, an addiction. Hmm. Ken, what, what I said earlier when I didn't realize that this is connected potentially to people with addictions, um, yeah. Can it be one person just can't maybe fear of abandonment that they, yes. they're, you know, the other person that they're with, I, you know, I can't see them. I can't see myself without them because I'll be alone. And then that person knows that person knows what's going on and does whatever they can to keep them kind of on a string. I don't know if that makes sense, but that, you know, the dynamics involved there where one's feeding off the other in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that, that's a good point uh, that each of them are had their own kind of addiction. You know, that mm. the one is addicted to being a caretaker or over-functioning or keeping that person safe uh, or their relationship intact. And then the other one has an addiction to something else and uh, to uh, substance or, you know, or some other thing, you know, some other kind of addiction. Mm. Correct. <clears throat> Interesting. Um, how often would you say in relationships there is codependency? Does it happen a lot? I would say so, for sure. Yes. Mm. Um, I couldn't give you a statistic on it, though. I'm not familiar with the statistic. Of course. I mean, yeah. and, and I don't <laughs> even know how we would even figure out that statistic. But in that question, I'm, I'm really basing that upon your experience and also dealing with people. Again, right. it could be, you know, one person... I'm going to go way hypothetical here. You have a married couple. Yes. Uh, the wife looks at her husband as a father figure because the the wife um, father left the family when they were very young. So, right. So she needs that in the relationship. Maybe the guy uh, feels like uh, maybe his parents uh, yeah, divorced and and he feels abandoned so he needs her and it's a yin and the yang going back and forth uh eventually does it lead to challenges or uh, ending of relationships when there's codependency well it doesn't have to do that and i mean people can go into therapy and they can look at their triggers and their issues and they can work them out so it's not like you know, but it's always important to look at your own stuff, you know, do your own self-discovery, get help to work through issues. Like you mentioned, the couple that you were given an example of, they both kind of have some similar issues. 
and maybe each of them takes the opposite kind of role. Maybe one person numbs themselves out with drugs and alcohol themselves or, you know, almost copies something maybe in the family or, and then the other one is, you know, copies another, you know, being codependent, trying to keep the relationship. So one is kind of withdrawn and the other is kind of going forward and, and they're polarizing each other a bit. Sure. Sure. And and I didn't even, I didn't even enter in any addictions in in even the example I gave, of course, uh, you add that layer. Now, now it gets even deeper in the challenges that exactly exactly they deal with a physical problem essentially so uh on top of it with the, with somebody who has substance abuse problem and getting them you know that they need to get sober and get themselves back sure. into recovery so right. if you feel that you're in a codependent relationship you know maybe this is resonating with somebody there's you know wait a minute that's me uh how do you navigate around that Right. Well, one of the things that I do is with people, you know, if I'm working with them in therapy, would be getting them in that chapter eight of the Love Yourself, Love Your Life book um, that to look at being a whole fulfilled person, like look at the thing. This is what makes you a whole fulfilled person. This is how you could play yourself emotionally, physically, mentally, you know, spiritually, socially, in terms of will, your responsibilities. Are you there, you know, or are you in the unfulfilled person and you have a negative and not giving any attention to your feelings and your needs, your rights? And then to then, well, how are you going to start going to do that? You know, looking at those areas, how can you make yourself fulfilled in those areas? What do you need to do? You know, if your health is deteriorating and you're not sleeping and you're not exercising, you're not eating right, you're not going and taking care of the problem, well, that you could put that on that physical slice on the chart. Mm. Say, I'm going to start doing things. A lot of times what happens, uh, getting back to the topic of the codependency, is that one of the problems with codependence is that they, since they're always over-functioning for the other person's welfare or just because the other person is more, you know, dysfunctional and isn't taking a, a full, you know, partnership role, they're always doing more work and they neglect themselves. They, the codependent will be over-functioning to make things balanced out for the other person, and then they don't take care of the health. A lot of times, the codependent's uh, health will go down, will deteriorate, because they just don't put any energy into mm-hmm. themselves or other areas, or they may be isolated, you know, and they may not have social support systems because they have to take too much time to take care of everyday life or to then see to the other person's needs. So in mm-hmm. your book, in your book, there's something called the three spaces in which we live. Yes. And it's called the development of the virtues of the normal quote. It's, it's in quotes, normal person. What is normal? Correct. What is yeah. normal? That's always exactly. <laughs> it's like, put that in quotes. It's a very normal. relative term there. Um, but what, what are those three spaces? And this is, this section of the book follows the codependency section, just a couple of pages after that. So what, what are the three spaces? What, what's that uh, section about? Well, my body spirit, you know, it's uh, kind of like that. Um, did you look at that chart there? Do you want to hold it up a little bit? Yeah, let see me see. I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be clear to see and it might be reversed. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. If, yeah, it's, that's very right. hard to see. Right. But, yeah. um, the three spaces in which we live, right? And it says physical, psychological, and 
spiritual. And then it breaks it down, you know, on the physical side, uh, material world, our material world, our outside world, our bodies, our five senses, our participation, our life and relationships. That's the physical and the psychological side. It's our seven inner senses, and we'll get to that in a second, our mind, uh, and what we tell ourselves, like our feelings, our thoughts, our reasoning, our personality, and such. And spiritual is our essence, our divine spark, our inner being, our enlightenment, our higher self, our soul, our virtues, our spirit. Is there correlations between these, or they're just all independent of each other between physical, psychological, and spiritual? Well... I mean, we're human beings and, and we're, you know, that we're all kind of one. I mean, we have a body, but we have a mind, but we have our inner, you know, peace and, and connectedness to beyond, to more. Um, so it's hard to say, you know, I, given that, you know, we're in the material world and everything is within, in a sense. Hmm. So they're all connected. So let's look at, why don't we look at the, on the psychological side, our Uh seven inner senses, and that's our intuitive nature and abilities and contained in our spiritual space. Um, And then there's another section with our mind, and that's the lower emotional and intellectual uh, centers. Gets a little, we're starting to get a little deep here, but is there a way that you could break Mm -hmm. that down a little bit? Sure. I mean... I guess if you kind of if you break it down, you can think of like you're um, having some superior centers and inferior centers in different areas, like um, in your intellectual center. You know, kind of it's kind of like talking about your highest self, your best self, versus maybe your egotistical, just kind of ego self. And so if you look at it as an intellectual, like that one, your higher center, you know, as a center, your intellectual center, your intellectual higher center or superior center would be about justice. It would be about uh, brotherhood. It would be about, you know, uh, altruism, about the higher level kinds of intellectual things versus the lower or inferior might be just about, you know, personal gratification thoughts. Um, and, uh, you know, just maybe just a material focus, just kind of on the, the everyday or even greed or whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? The sure. difference between the two. So like, and your emotional center can be similar, you know, your emotional center can have the higher concepts of love or, um, you know, peace and harmony and, or it can be at a, a, what maybe an inferior or lower level of the emotional thing, like, you know, being jealous or being greedy or angry, you know, the lower emotions and you kind of have both that way. Does that give a good example? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot going on within our minds. It it definitely gets Uh deep. How about the spiritual side? So, Uh you know, recapping that, our essence, is that really who we are, who we think we are, maybe our our reason for being, our purpose? Is that all covered under that? Yeah. Yes, it would be that. It would be like having faith, having purpose, uh, connecting it to to some, you know, higher, higher transcendental kind of a, 
uh, focus uh, besides just our own material everyday, you know, personal gratification of our egos or needs at that time, something that is brings us up and gives us some sense of purpose and seeing good in life, our life, good in the world. Now you mentioned you mentioned the word higher. We talk here in the book, in this column about our highest self. How would you define that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I, mean, I would identify that with your superior, you know, intellectual and emotional centers. But I mean, since we just talked about that, to give that as an example, that if, when you're in that those centers or connected to you know the spiritual center, those would be kind of more your higher power, higher self best, you know, better self, what we all, what we talked about a minute ago, all those higher or superior center. Would you say um, part of that comes from our intuition, what we're feeling. And if we use that to gravitate or pilot the directions that we head in, is the intuition, is our intuition part, Mm -hmm. is the intuition part of our higher self when we've tapped into what I should be doing you know, like instead of like logically questioning it. It's that from within that your, 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 your gut is saying, do this, just do Absolutely. this. Right. Correct. Hmm. Yes. And we get intuitions in various ways because we're different people, you know, and we have different strengths or, or, you know, ways we do things but yes generally that that makes sense how do you i think we might have skimmed on this real quick once before but how do you tap into that intuition and just as much as possible because i i firmly believe it's everything it's telling you everything everything you need to know every answer you know you you have it the answers are right there but stuff gets in the way how do we right. kind of push that out of the way so that the intuition, the gut feeling can can kind of plow on through and guide you? Exactly. And that's what kind of the second book, uh, I have several other books too, but you know, the one we're talking about today, The Not Fit, it's really, I know it is kind of dark, but it's about... Um, you know, what are the things that can we could have different, you know, profit issues or baggage or triggered memories or problems like, you know, de- de- bipolar depression or complex PTSD, things that would cause us to not be in our high center or egos just getting down to the basics of being, you know, so codependent. I want to so- share that you just what you're saying right there. And uh-huh. in in the book is real. And there is, I just turned the page vices and virtues and the yeah. things that, you know, lust, pride, anger, greed, laziness, gluttony. Um, and then of course, on the other side, you know, we have the virtues, chastity, humility, serenity, generosity, diligence, contentment, uh, temperance, and, and all of that. Um, this is, this is the stuff we don't really want to know about. Like we would just like push that out of the way. I don't want to, I don't want to face that. Right. Yeah. Because even if you are quote normal, 
you still have within your psyche, and not you personally, I wasn't saying that you're not normal, you're normal. But I mean, if a person is, quote, normal, not even having some kind of problem like, you know, um, codependency or, or addiction, since we're talking about that. Sure. And most, about probably 50% of people tend to have some, you know, uh, preoccupations with things or be somewhat codependent at times with certain people, whatever. But even if you don't have those kinds of issues, you've got egos, you know, every, most people have things within their character that are kind of possessing them a little bit versus them being in control of, you know, like they come in for anger management, it, you know, it, or they come in for, um, you know, codependency, being over functioning or, or whatever it is. There's stuff that's going on that they can work on in themselves. So, so we have these kind of these egos in a sense within that we need to work on as well that we, if you ha- can't, beyond the point of all the interpersonal problems and problems in living, or maybe this disorder that you need to take up a a chemical imbalance and you got to take this pill and get that straight and so on. You still, you know, are going to work on even deeper stuff because you want to get to a point where you're just cleansed of, you know, the seven deadly sins of, you know, and be at a point of peace and love and forgiveness. Mm. Yeah. The highest self. (laughs) It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great book. It really is. Once you start, yeah. once you let yourself get deep into it and um, and accept the fact that we are normal <laughs> and that uh, we're not perfect and that is normal. The name of the book is Not Fit for Human Consumption. Just want to point out, it's written by A.P. Filosa. That is you. That's your maiden name. Uh, Anne yeah. Creekmore uh, is who we know you from. And uh, if anybody yeah. wants to either get the books, talk with you, maybe do a session, uh, even learn if it's a, a right fit for what they're going through at this time. What is, uh, what is your website in? Psychologistsinvirginia.com. All spelled out. Psychologist with the plural and in Virginia spelled out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, always great talking with you. Uh, you are the mirror. Like everything we talk about is stuff that most of us go through, even the codependency thing. I'll bet you, and I'm not even just talking about romantic type relationships or marriages. There could be codependency between two friends, all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And parents, children. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bet you there's some codependency in, in pretty much all of our lives, but you, you don't know it until you uh, you talk about it and I identify it. Uh, and thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate it. Sure. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Oh, same here. Thank you. We're coming right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you, A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila... She she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, 
single voice. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.